Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Hello, Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Ryan Patrick. How are you? I'm good, man. We're back for another episode. This is episode 76, the spirit of 76. Spirit of 76. And it's a good one. It is. It is. It's a really good one. You know, it's interesting because here we are on episode 76, and it just so happens, by coincidence, we did not plan this, Mm -mm. but by coincidence, it just so happens that 1976 was the year that our very special guest made her first appearance on MASH. Wow. Is that cool or what? That is really great. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. In the season five opener, Bug Out. She appeared as a madam of a brothel housed in a building that Colonel Potter wanted to use, and uh, they negotiated the building for Klinger's clothes. That was the beginning of Eileen Saki's career on MASH, but she is best known as playing the third Rosie. Yeah, Rosie. Rosie, the formal brothel owner (laughs) or manager or something like that. And folks, we bring you all the special programs, programs about brothel owners. That's right. Yes, sir. You're going to hear all the good stuff on Match Matters. (laughs) This was a great conversation, and we are so thrilled to bring you this interview with the one and only Eileen Saki. So we are joined by Eileen Saki, who played... The tough, sassy, straight-talking, no-nonsense proprietor of Rosie's Bar. She was the third Rosie, but the most popular and most well-known of the three Rosies. Uh, I'll give you a kiss for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, you you did appear pre-Rosie, and we're going to talk about that. But as Rosie, you appeared in eight episodes, beginning with season sevens, A Night at Rosie's, and then ending with Snap Judgment in season ten. You've also appeared in lots of other shows and movies like uh, Good Times and Chips and The Greatest American Hero and Without a Trace and Give Me a Break and the film Splash, which was directed by a former MASH guest star, Ron Howard. Oh, my gosh. And then, uh, Eileen, you and Jeff have something in common because you both appeared in Mel Brooks movies. Yes, I just my husband told me that yesterday. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, Of course, Jeff was uh, in Young Frankenstein and you appearing in uh, History of the World Part One. Eileen Saki, welcome. Welcome to MASH Matters. Yay. Thank you for having me. It really is, what can I tell you, humbling, really, for a little work. Like, I think I did 1% of what Jeff has done, and yet I get to be on this show, you know, and telling you my experiences and (laughs) stuff like that. Well, we're very happy to have you here. And, you know, uh, we, we talked briefly yesterday, and we discussed the fact that you and I, we didn't know each other. Because you were always in that darn bar, always <laughs> over there at Rosie's. I never got over there. I ne- I don't think I was ever in a scene in Rosie's. And that's that's frustrating to me because that would have been fun. And I never was in your kitchen. Yeah, in the mess tent. You never got <laughs> yeah. in the mess tent. Yeah. I don't know why. You should have come over for lunch. I, I should have because <laughs> I love to eat. <laughs> well, you know, Igor was the bartender in the officers club. So maybe Igor saw Rosie's as his competition. Oh, and, good point. You know, good didn't point. want to fraternize with the competition. That's possible. That's right. Good yes. Point. Yeah. yeah. Good point. yeah. Didn't want to fraternize with a riffraff over there. <laughs> I had that. I'm in the officer's club. Give me a break. Very good. Very good. Yeah. 
Eileen, I have a question. Yes. To, how did you how did you show up at MASH? What were what were the steps that got you to the show? I'm so glad you asked me because I thought, how am I going to bring this in? Oh, all right. You know, when I started, I mean, I was uh, raised in Japan, came here. English is my second language. And but I knew at the age of four, I think that, oh, I think I'm going to be a performer because my dad in Japan would be in little theaters. Oh, interesting. Also, I don't really remember, you know, when you're a child, you remember great times. And what I remember is happy times. But I know we were very poor. And probably my psyche wanted to be somebody else, Mm. you know, to have a brighter life and entertaining life and that kind of stuff. But I did not know anybody. I wanted to be a singer and dancer first. So my dad was really, really nice. He would send me to dancing schools and singing schools. And, you know, he was a gardener and he would save some money and he would give me money on the side to get my lessons. But anyway, that's beside the point. In the days when I started, you know how they say, Well, you can't, unless you have a union card, you can't be in it. Well, how are you going to get a union card? If you don't have it, you can't be in anything. So what I used to do was read the trades, do all this, and find out all the casting directors, the uh, directors, writers, and it would be a project for me to make calls at least three times a week, right? While I'm working and being a waitress or whatever it may be. And through that, and I want to talk to you about this because I heard your interview with Bert Metcalf last Mm -hmm. night as I was walking. Mm. And uh, I'm going to have tears because he really, for me, uh, was my mentor. I would phone him maybe every three months or something like that. And in those days, you could sneak in to the studios, you know, you just sort of sneak in. And I would maybe once every six months knock at his office door and forgive me. I loved his secretary and I forget her name and I wish I could go and find out her name. I'll tell you her name. I just talked to her. Her name is Karen Lieberman. Yes, Karen. (laughs) She was so sweet. She would take my phone calls, (laughs) tell Bert that I called. I mean, this went on for maybe a year. He then hired me, uh, he called me in and hired me for that first prostitute. <laughs> I got yes. the prostitute, yes. <laughs> yes, you were the madam in uh, madam. the season five, episode one, Bug Out. Yes, and oh my God, <laughs> I had to go to Malibu at six o'clock in the morning. It was so cold. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> Charlie Dubin, I believe he was the director. Hmm. So sweet. He would give me his jacket and put it over me. And uh, anyway, get back to Brett Metcalf. After that shooting, I would call him every three months and he would pick up my phone. Is there anything? Is there anything? I believe then a year and a half or somewhat later, he had his casting person, uh, Robinson, was it? Yes. 
Yes, I can't remember the first. Yes, Robinson. Yes. Rob, yeah, Robinson yeah. and Associates, I believe, something uh-huh. like that. Yes. And I had for me to come in, he had asked them to. And then when she's Joyce, I believe, Joyce. Joyce, Robinson. you're right. Oh, my gosh. Good memory. Back. All right, Eileen. Oh. Joyce, yes, Certain yes, things yes. are back there. Um, and <laughs> I remember she saying, no, I think you're too young. And I said, no, I think I was asked, so may I? And <laughs> she let me. And if I remember correctly, it was for two one it was one was a thing for Rosie, and then there was another part. And I went in there and I read the Rosie part, and then I asked if I could read the other part too, and they let me do that. And then they called me, and then I got Rosie. Ah. I have to tell you two things. It could be because I was the least expensive person to get, right? That's one. Well, they do call it, they do call it show business. So that is, yes. a, that is a part of the world, yes. Yeah, so it could be that. And the other part I have to say is Bert Metcalf uh, was the director and Ken Bameen and David Isaac were the writers. Uh-huh. I have to tell you, it was written so well. It, it just gave you Rosie. I didn't have to really work on it. All I did was I just remember going to um, a laundromat, Korean laundromat, where the head lady was so... Da, 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 and I just based my character on the way that Rosie was written. It was really written very well. I have never read a script like that until maybe about 10 years later, just recent 10 years is recent to me. Uh, <laughs> Phil Rosenthal um, mm-hmm. had written a pilot and I was able to read for that part. Uh, I didn't get it, but you could tell how well written it was. I'm, I'm amazed hearing this. I didn't know anything about this and I had no idea how you became Rosie. Oh. But it's a it's a remarkable story listening to the how personal this all was that you used your own sort of discipline and your own creativity and uh entrepreneurship <sighs> to call these people up mm-hmm. and do that. That you know people ask me, well how do you get started in showbiz? How do you become an actor? How do you get a job? Well you're telling everywhere you're telling the world right now how to get a job. <laughs> you know, you pick up the phone and you you start calling people and you start doing things because nobody's going to come into your house and say, hey, would you like to be on television? That doesn't happen uh, regularly. You got to go out and do it. And here you are <laughs> as a little girl. You took dance lessons and singing lessons. And now here you're in the big hot shot show business world and you figured it out and you became a wonderful character on an iconic television show. I applaud you, and I, I I urge everybody to listen to that. Anybody who's interested to be in show business, hear this woman say how to do it because you just you just gave the key away. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, the fact that your personality and your talent and your ability shone through to those people who made themselves available to you because that's hard there are gatekeepers in in Los Angeles show business and how you were able to get past the gatekeepers get Bert Metcalf on the phone and 
charm him <laughs> and, and get these auditions is a wonderful thing. But that that sort of sets the tone for why Bert Metcalf is such a cool guy and why MASH had such good humanity, because these were human beings who were doing this business. That's what sort of enabled you to do it. I'm, I'm babbling now. I'll shut up in a minute and let you talk. But I applaud your efforts. I, I admire you, what you did. And I, I love hearing that story. Well, you sort of make me cry. <laughs> My wife says that to me all the time. So I'm that. He's very good at that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's really touching to get feedback on that. And I have to say that Bert, I tell you, he was also a straight shooter. On our first day of shooting, or it was a second day, I believe, I would be sitting and he came and talked to me and he said, you know, you got something that cannot be given, uh, which is timing, comic timing, you know, which I thought, oh, and then, but he said, but one thing you need to work on is discipline. Mm -hmm. And I heard that and I knew exactly what he was saying. I have tremendous faith, tremendous guts, but I knew I needed to have what now they call craft. I knew that. And that's why I say he he was so sweet and gentle, but he was really straight also. And I'll tell you, in that first episode, I had to learn. Now you can learn about master shot and close-ups. Now you go to school, uh, film school, and they will teach you. In those days, you don't know unless you're on the set. Mm -hmm. And when I got my master shot and then a close-up, and then I thought, oh, I went directly to the script girl and asked her, what is it that I did as I was talking? And she said, you did this, this, this. And I just took a breath, got it in. And then that was my first day of learning matching. And at the end of the day, I thought, oh, my heavens, I did it. (laughs) Uh, my goodness, that's a lot of stuff to throw at you that very first day. Yeah, but you know what? You don't think about it. I think you you are there to do work and to learn. So you just have to trust and know that okay, you will do it. And I think the fact that I knew that Bert was there for me and everybody was there for me. Mm-hmm. What I know from the very beginning is, and Jeff, I don't know if you found this. I think when I got cast, the makeup person, the hair, the wardrobe, all of them had a sort of a say in, do they want this person here? That is what I experienced in my getting this part. Hmm. I don't know if you experienced that, Jeff, but I certainly did. Well, very few of them wanted me there. So that was an odd that I was <laughs> oh, able to go. Anyway. He just yeah. kept showing up. I kept showing yeah. up. And, you know, they, <laughs> yeah, but they finally go, oh, well, let him in. I don't care. Open the door. <laughs> Look at how many you did. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. But what you're saying is making me think about there were many actors who appeared on MASH in multiple roles. Yes. You're one of them. You came on in season five as the madam (laughs) who exchanges the hut for Klinger's clothing. Very good. And then here you are a few seasons later as Rosie. 
there were many actors who would come in, do a part, and then they would show up the next season or several seasons later in a completely different role, but it's the same actor. And I'm wondering how much what you just said about how everybody as a team came together and said, we like this person. Mm -hmm. We like working with this person. We want to continue working with this person. How much influence that had on bringing them back instead of just going out and finding another actor. Because it's not like there was a shortage of actors necessarily in Hollywood. It's just that, hey, we like working with these people. Yep. Yes. I agree with you there. Yeah. I really do believe it was sort of like a consensus, like Mm -hmm. of everybody. Uh, I, I know they have to like you. Yeah. And, and I remember, I mean, you know, to be working with Alan, I thought, and he signed the uh, photo for me and said something like, thank you for bringing a Rosie into our lives. And I thought, Hmm. Oh my goodness, did I really do that? You did step back and you think about it doing the, when you did the first Rosie part, were you comfortable and familiar with all everybody, Alan and, and uh, everybody else that was in, in Rosie's at that point? You know what? They were very, uh, so nice and so sweet and, uh, yeah, I was very comfortable. And Good, here's another yeah. thing I learned. Each one, I'll give you uh, examples, like in the, I think it was, was it that one where I was in the hospital? Or maybe it was the next one. But I learned things like you can laugh and flub lines and everybody's laughing with you. Like Harry and Ellen and Mike, they were well, beside me or, uh, on the bedside. And I would have to spit out food and say, this is what you call food or whatever. <laughs> and everybody would laugh, right? And, and Bert would keep coming and say, okay, now we must stop this laughing you know but it it just (laughs) made you feel so comfortable David Ogden Stiers now uh he would roller skate during (laughs) you know when (laughs) he stopped filming right but he the first day I remember he tests you he comes up to you looks at you straight in the eye and see if you're going to falter or something and you just stay in there and look at him right and then <laughs> he loves you from then on I, I think, you know that uh, Loretta Swift at one point she was so sweet she would be standing with me and then when they were doing camera work or something she would say you know listen Try to listen and change it the next time when you hear. But all these little things that these actors give you, (laughs) for someone who had to so struggle to even get in anywhere, it just really touches me that people really do come to help you. Oh my goodness! That's oh sweet. my goodness! That's that is so sweet. No, 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 no. no, no. Be it's, sorry. Uh, you know, you're you're just kind of also supporting the fact that uh, you know, Mash was an exceptional group of people, and they were they were secure in themselves that they were able to you know help other people. They were okay with who they were, and they were secure. Other actors are a little bit more insecure. They're not as willing to be that helpful. But yeah, Mash was a, an extraordinary group of people. And they know you were too. And that's why you were there. That's very sweet. But you're so right. In, in later, you know, uh, after I did MASH and everything, you do other shows. And I remember Matlock or some other shows. And 
you know, when you're dealing with actors who feel like they are, it, it, it's not a profession, but they are superstars or something. It's very difficult to know if you're doing right or what you're doing, you know, but Jeff, you are absolutely right that everybody was so just open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you were, you're talking about how you went and sat in with the lady at the laundromat and <laughs> based a lot of your character on her, you know, when you're developing a character like Rosie and obviously they wrote Rosie to be a much bigger character there. Well, Rosie had appeared in a few episodes prior with other actresses Yes, and, and she was a character, but she didn't necessarily have personality. Now, all of a sudden Rosie has personality. I wonder how much of that was on the page. How much did you bring and how much of Eileen is in Rosie? I think it's a combination of what I observed of the ladies, even at restaurants, Chinese restaurants, you know, Asian women who really have taken over. I mean, they are the boss. Yeah. I think there's a part of me that is, uh, there's some parts that are so playful, you know, when there's a scene where she plays with Klinger uh, about the, oh, I need some more money. You need to give me some more money. Yes. That part, it's just fantasy. I mean, how fun it is to be <laughs> playful like that. You know, yeah. I wish I could do that in real life. So you do that <laughs> when you can. You know? And the way she plays with, you know, like David Ogden Styers, I mean, mm-hmm. You know, who who goes directly to him and talks to him like that? You know, she's not afraid of him. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ro- Rosie was a very much of a modern woman, really. She yeah. was a powerful yeah. character there and a powerful woman. I mean, she was the she was the boss, like you said. Yeah. I, I remember I was in Korea because uh, I did USO tours. Oh. I was in Korea and we would walk down. We would They would uh, take us on little tours around the local villages and things. And the the bars that were there were quite rambunctious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they were they were quite well known for a lot of things that went on in there. And, and a lot of them were, quote, brothels. <laughs> uh, they were bars and slice brothels and uh, just hangouts for the, you know, people who were close from the base. It wasn't supported. Nobody, you know, encouraged it them to be brothels, but they kind of turned out to be that way. Interesting. And there were people like Rosie that that ran them. I mean, that's what they did. So uh, there you go, uh, brothels and prostitutes. I mean, I, I, I know I think yeah. what I a mean, life, huh? Your life. <laughs> oh my gosh! While you're talking, you you, um, you had said at the beginning that you were also in uh, Jeff in History of the World. No, uh, Young Frankenstein. I had a little. I actually had a scene in Young Frankenstein that was actually cut out, but there is still remnants of me left oh. in a shot that's very uh, people pick out all. All the time, and I don't quite know why, but they do because I don't say anything in that particular scene. But that was young Frankenstein. Oh, okay. I thought history of the world also, but here's how I met Mel Brooks going to show you how nice and decent people could be as Bert Metcalf. After I finished, I think, uh, an episode, I passed Mel Brooks' office and I thought, okay, take a breath knock at the door and see if he's in. I knock and come in. I went in <laughs> and he was so sweet. And I said, you know, I just finished shooting something. Do you have anything for me? Wow. <laughs> he said to me, well, it's a little part, you know, but I think you 
just called the producer and whatever. And it was a part of the slave girl. Mm -hmm. But see, you can't do those things anymore. You don't really go knock at their doors. The agents and managers have taken over. Yeah. Yep. For better or worse. Yeah, I bring that, that term up, gatekeepers, and those guys have, have yes. become gatekeepers to all those people that we used to be able to, you know, walk in and knock on the door and talk to. But I don't know if it's good, but yeah, I don't know. Either. It was at that time. Yeah, <laughs> you do it now, and somebody will shoot you. Oh, really? <laughs> you want to get away from the door, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a favorite moment from Mash or favorite actor moment that you can remember that really sticks out? I ask this because people ask that of me and I, you know, it's hard to, you know, forgive me for asking. It's hard to think of them because so many of them that were so terrific. It's hard to kind of isolate something. I'll tell you a couple of things now that, uh, well, I bring this up because I just saw Jamie Farr. uh, Well, not just about maybe six years ago, maybe five. He was talking at the showing of a Buster Keaton, the general in the valley. Hmm. And it was so good to see him. I mean, he talked and then after the show, I saw him and he hugged me and all this. And he was such a fun person to work with. But I also think of Harry Morgan. You know, he was such a sweetie. And what I can tell you is that everybody everybody took such care of him. I mean, you could just tell how helpful they were to him and how they were always uh, watching over him. I really enjoyed everything, uh, you know. Um, Even, I think I was at the end when Radar was almost ending. Even he was a delight, even though I could tell that he was not very happy. Uh, interesting. Did I answer that? I don't know. We know, no, you did. And certainly we're all human beings and everybody on the set was a human being. And uh, well, a few of them weren't, but most of them were. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we all have our problems and all have things that uh, affect our lives. And he yeah, was going yes. through some things that yes. certainly affect him. But yeah, you're such a, you are so perceptive. You, you, you're a terrific person and terrific actress. You really are. You, your perception and, and uh, insight into things are really wonderful. It's so nice to meet you after all these years. I know. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could have hung out in that bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to all go out and have a lunch or dinner. Or something. Yeah, sure. Eileen, do you still hear from fans of the show? Yes. I, I have to tell you, it is such a humbling experience, you know, to get letters and uh, 28 years ago, I was in uh, Toronto for the Hall of Fame hockey opening. And I wake up in the morning in a hotel room and go down for coffee with my sunglasses. And one of the workers says, you're Rosie, aren't you? When I said, good morning. And I said, "Uh, (laughs) what? (laughs) And he said, oh, I recognize your voice. And I said, oh, all right. And then just recently, I did a commercial with this spokesperson they hired in Georgia, really a nice guy and very professional. And we do our thing and he would do it. And he was just really a professional. At the end of that, he would all of a sudden change, become so soft and say, oh, my God, my dad and I, we watch so many mashes. And oh, my God, (laughs) would you take a photo with me so I can send it to him? (laughs) I mean, it just touched my heart. And especially with this pandemic, 
I got so many fan letters. It really makes you think, my goodness, that we had an impact on people's happiness when we were really just doing our work. Gee, Ryan, have I said that uh, a few times? Maybe once or <laughs> twice. Yeah. 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 I see yeah, because Ryan is a great fan of the show and sort of watched it as a viewer. And I worked there. So I understand. And and because of this podcast, it's been a it's been a very emotional experience for me too, because I have the same feelings you have. Eileen, and people saying such wonderful, nice things to you about the work you did. And at the time, it was like, okay, it's 530. Uh, okay, yeah. It's creamed weenies. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I got to get home because I got to go to dinner. I got a thing. and I got a dog. Like that. <laughs> and so you have a life and you don't really think about it as much uh, in the same way as people who are watching it do. And to hear that emotional response from audiences is really, really, it's been a total eye-opening experience for me. Oh, Gosh. And I appreciate all the wonderful things people say about the show and about what, what it did for them and, you know, made them happy and uh, gave them uh, joy. And it's it's a, re- a remarkable experience. So I think in one of the uh, uh, letters that I had, uh, one of the gentlemen said, oh, you know, there's a podcast and you should write to them. And so <laughs> my husband did. And yes. now I feel like, Oh my gosh, I have to go back and listen to all the ones you've done. And then I have to go and watch all the matches that Jeff was in. And I and, and actually I am quarantined for three more days, right? Oh, so gosh. I do have plenty of time. So I <laughs> Oh, there are so many better things you could be doing with their life, yeah, Eileen. No, let me just no, say. no, no, no. I have one more question before we let you go. Yes. And and this is something that's come up as a topic several times on our podcast, and we haven't really had an answer to it. Ooh. Nowadays, there is a large push for cultural characters to be represented appropriately. Many of the actors who were playing Koreans were not actually Korean. Yes. I wonder... Because you were raised in Japan, and here you are portraying a character that I assume is supposed to be Korean. Korean, yes. Was that as much of a topic back then as it is now? And do you have any feelings about that topic nowadays? When I came into the scene, there was not that separation of, oh, you need to be Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, or Hawaiian, or whatever. I mean, I remember in order to learn some Korean words, because sometimes they didn't use it. But there was a couple where I had to get translation. So I I did look up to find Korean people so that I could learn to talk. There was none of that. But you know that the field has now changed. Mm-hmm. I know that when, especially now when I go for commercials, I am one of the lucky ones in that ethnicity is in right now. I meet people who say that their chances are cut because they're not Asian or a Black person or Hispanic. And what I think is that is what the world is. Right. 
but I do know the culture shift now. And I do believe if they were looking, uh, I have had scripts where it said they wanted, actually, there was a karate McDonald's Disney thing that I went up for. And they really wanted a Southeastern person, like from Thailand or uh, and I guess they couldn't find. So I got, you know, because I could do karate and all that. So in some sense, I think people know exactly what they want, but maybe the playing ground is there aren't enough of different people, you know, to go up for the parts. But I, I think it's just terrific. I mean, nowadays you are, you look at TV and you don't even think about oh my goodness, there's an agent in the lead or oh my goodness. I mean, I don't, maybe I am spoiled because I live in Los Angeles. I, you know, I don't know how it is in the Midwest or in the South. I mean, I hope, you know, things are opening up. I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yes. So you're still, you audition for things currently, right? I mean, we spoke yesterday briefly and you had to go because you were off to do an audition. Yeah. I, I you know what? I, I love to still dance and uh, act and, and, but I love really to sing and, you know, and, and I love commercials because I don't have to memorize scripts. <laughs> you know, my my memorization is getting uh, no. It's just that commercial you can go and you can do whatever it is you want. And I have the freedom to sing or dance or eat. I I would love to get more eating parts because I love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to get eating parts, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it's really, and you know what? It keeps you. There are people who say to me, "Oh, they're bored in this, you know, this time and everything." I tell you, getting auditions on Zoom online, it takes a couple of times to know that because in person is always so much better. But you learn to do it at home. You don't have to go traveling. I don't have to go to Burbank. You know, I could do it at home. And it's just something that you could use your muscles, keep your muscles going. I went to UCB to learn more improv. You know, you're constantly, I'm constantly trying to keep up my inquisitiveness and my interest and everything. It just keeps you alive. Boy, oh boy, what a special person you are. Eileen, it has been an absolute delight talking to you. One last thing, right now you have an open line to MASH fans around the world listening to this podcast. Is there anything you would like to say to the people who have been watching MASH, not only from the beginning, but young people who are now coming onto the show for the first time and experiencing how wonderful the show is? Is there anything that you would like to say to MASH fans? For the people who started out at the beginning, I am so thankful for all the newcomers. My God, if you could just get into the stories, get interested in the characters, you'll learn so much. And and laugh at the same time. That's all. I mean, really, isn't that what life is about? Yeah. 
Wonderful. Yeah. We need that right now. Yeah. Right now. Yes. 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 Thank you so much. Both oh. of you. Oh. This was such a pleasure. And uh, we're so grateful your father took that change out and got you dancing and singing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for remembering. Thank you to your husband, Bob, for uh, reaching yes, out to us. And he's right there. <laughs> well, hi, Bob. You're doing a darn hi, good job. You've been pretty good today, Bob. He's smiling. <laughs> good. All right. Thank you. Eileen. We'll, we'll, uh, my people will call yours. We'll do lunch sometime. Oh, please. Oh, please. I can't wait. We'll have a good time. All right. Thank you, Eileen. Well, wasn't she just a big freaking ray of sunshine? She was. She was. Uh, she really was. You know, it's really fun to hear so much passion and enthusiasm mm -hmm. uh, from somebody who was created for herself a pathway into an iconic television show. Mm -hmm. And she did it with such, uh, you know, energy and integrity and, and you know, honesty. It's great. It's just great to hear her enthusiasm. And she's out there still auditioning for stuff and all that kind of stuff. So she was she was just really a joy to talk with, wasn't she? That was a that was fun. Just a lot of positive energy. Yes. It was infectious too. It was, it was really, it really was a delight to talk to her. So thank you to Eileen. Thank you to her husband, Bob too, for reaching out to us and uh, setting everything up and being her uh, technical advisor on the interview. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thank you for listening. And also thanks to our Patreon VIPs who make this podcast possible, including private Ewan Spence and Corporal Susan Montgomery, Corporal Chad Perviance, Captain R. Lee, Captain Devin Bazan. Major Carrie Gajowski and Major Barbara Newig. Thank you for supporting the show. You too can become a VIP mashmatters.com slash support and become a Patreon VIP for as little as $3 a month. That's not a lot, is it? It really isn't. Uh, I mean, if you really think about it, if you break it down by the number of laughs that we provide, right. that's like a dollar a laugh. I mean, that's not bad. I'm personally sending in $3 right now. I'm going to send in, <laughs> let me get the address as soon as we're done here, and I'm going to send in the 3 Okay, so we'll add to the list. Thank you to Corporal Igor Straminsky also. Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah, there you go. that's good. I like it. This is fun. This is. You can reach out to us, mashmatters.com. You can find us on all the social medias. You can listen to the show on all your favorite podcast players and on YouTube. You can also call and leave us a voicemail under three minutes in length at 513-436-4077. So that's it. Episode 76 in the books. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you, Bob. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time, here's looking up your old address. <laughs>